most respected mothers and sisters. Much of our life hinges on hope. Many things we do, people do, is purely on the basis of hope. And when there is some hope, then a person is able to still undertake the tasks at hand, do what is necessary, undertake some kind of difficulty sometimes, bear some hardship sometimes, all on the basis of hope. A person goes to work early in the morning, he slogs the whole day, and then finishes off late in the evening, and the whole month he is continuing with this routine from 8 to late, or 7 to 11, or whatever it might be, on the hope that at the end of the month, that promise that has been given to him that he will receive so much of salary, that will be fulfilled. Whereas it could be that something, Allah forbid, could go wrong, that company could close down, whatever could happen, but he has hope that everything will go according to plan, so that keeps him going. But if he knew for sure that there is no hope of getting any salary at the end of the month, who will go to work? So much of this, what we do in day-to-day -day life, revolves around hope. There is one incident of one doctor that he was treating some patient, it was an old person, and the person had undergone some procedure for a fractured leg or something, and it was an old lady, she was not even a Muslim person, this is talking about, this was an incident that happened somewhere, which was written in some book. In any case, as the treatment progressed, she started recovering, and everything was seeming to be very, very positive, and then she was to be discharged. They already had decided now that she has sufficiently recovered to be able to be going home. So it was decided that in two or three days' time she will be discharged. So everything was going fine. She was progressing well. Her health was being restored. And then suddenly the day before the discharge, the doctor came to see her again. And everything had gone in the negative. Her health had deteriorated tremendously, all the progress she seemed to have made was everything suddenly reversed and while that limb that was operated on seemed to be fine but her health was had taken a turn for the worse. The sudden turn whereas that limb was healing well, this was something very surprising for the doctor. So in any case, he first tried to just see what might have gone wrong somewhere but then he got talking to her, and eventually after a lot of discussion, this old lady said something. She said, well, her son had come to give her some message. He came to visit her earlier in that day, and when he came to visit her, he left her with some message. And the message was that tomorrow when you are discharged, we won't be taking you home, whatever the reason was that he is now others at home, didn't want her back home. So he had already made arrangements for her in some old age home and he was going to be taking her straight from the hospital to this old age home. Now that broke her. Physically, she was recovering, but this made her despondent. It made her lose hope. And that loss of hope took a very severe, had a very severe effect on her health. And everything was gone in the negative. This is just one incident out of many. This is just one incident out of many that where when the person had hope, she was looking forward to going home, looking forward to going to her family, looking forward to whatever might be now waiting for her at home. So she was recovering well. And as soon as she lost hope from all that, everything took a turn for the worse. This is just one little incident, little in the sense that one single incident that highlights this situation of hope, that how much of our life revolves on hope.
Now that is anybody's life, whether the person is a mu'min, whether the person is a disbeliever. But when it comes to the life of a mu'min, then the life of a mu'min Allah Ta'ala has in the Qur'an Sharif given us great hope. And Nabi Wasallam in the ahadith has encouraged us in every way to always have hope. And this is what a mu'min should always be looking forward to. And this is the antidote of many of the problems that we unfortunately keep experiencing. So this is something that we wish to discuss today. That what is the hope that Allah Ta'ala has spelt out for us in the Qur'an Sharif. That Nabi Islam has spelt out for us. And by means of maintaining this hope, then inshallah we will find many things that we become very very perturbed about in dunya those things will become very much easier for us dunya is dunya it's a place of challenge it's a place of test and trial we should ask Allah Ta'ala for afiyat at all times but this is dunya dunya is not jannat dunya is not a place where a person can expect or hope that there will never be any difficulty any trial any challenge any pain any anxiety, that doesn't happen. Dunya is dunya. Even the kings have even greater challenges. So, how to be positive in all these situations and how to maintain hope, that is the discussion and that is what we need to reflect on. Otherwise, unfortunately, because of this lack of hope and people becoming despondent, becoming losing hope, the result is that in this country alone, in South Africa alone, there are 23 suicides a day, almost one every hour. And internationally they say 40 seconds don't pass. Every 40 seconds one person is committing suicide. Allah Ta'ala forbid and save us. Many people think that this is the way to get out of their problems, whereas this is diving directly into more difficulties. It is, as they say, jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Person who commits suicide, then they are in perpetual doom. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, the person who commits suicide, he will continue being punished in the same way in the Akhirat. If he, somebody, Allah forbid, cut themselves in some way, they'll keep cutting themselves in the, in the hereafter. So in any case, why does this kind of thing happen? Why do people become... Disp- or start committing suicide because they become despondent they lose hope and as a result they start taking things to this extreme though it might differ that why do people become despondent why do people lose hope sometimes somebody has a very severe financial situation somebody is in a very severe d- domestic situation and sometimes it is trivial things somebody is despondent because they couldn't go for a holiday and somebody is despondent because somebody else had a certain kind of wedding and they didn't have it. And somebody is now losing hope because somebody else seems to have certain luxuries and comforts which they don't have. Now this is how trivial things can be and how we can self-torture, inflict self-torture just because we are looking at what's going on around us and what others seem to be enjoying. Now this is self-torture. This is something which we do to ourselves as a result of lack of contentment. Now this is what we wish to discuss a little bit and to discuss what is the antidote for this situation that people find themselves in, the depression, the anxiety, etc. So there cannot be a better antidote, there cannot be a better solution and a better treatment for this than what Allah Taala Himself has revealed in the Quran Sharif. And to understand this, we will discuss briefly the two surahs of the Quran Sharif, Surah Al-Duha, and then the surah that follows it, Alam Nashrah. We are very familiar with these surahs. Generally, everybody is familiar with these surahs. We recite it in our salah. So today we will just discuss briefly the discussion that is contained in these ayat of these two surahs. And in this way, inshallah, we will be able to get some kind of idea of how we should be focusing, how we should be 
keeping our mind in which manner we should be approaching things, what should be our mindset. So inshallah, with the tawfiq of Allah wa ta'ala, this is something we will learn from these two surahs. As far as Surah Al-Duha is concerned, the background to this surah is that once Nabi Wasallam became ill, Allah's Nabi Wasallam was the most beloved of Allah Ta'ala. And he also underwent challenges that we cannot imagine. So in any case, once he became ill, and as a result, it became such that he could not even manage to wake up for two or three nights for his tahajjud salah. Now this became a very very difficult thing for him. That his illness reached this proportion that it became a barrier between the tahajjud salah. Then it just happened at that time that Jibreel salatu salam didn't come for several days with any wahi, any revelation. And this used to be a source of great consolement for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whenever Jibreel Salatu Wasallam used to come with wahi. But on this occasion, on the one side, he was ill for several days. And then at the same time, Jibreel Salatu Wasallam hadn't come for with any wahi. Then, on top of that, the kuffar, the disbelievers, they began taunting Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on this. In particular, the wife of Abu Lahab. She came and started taunting Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and she started saying to him that, Na'uzubillah, she started referring to Jibreel Salatu Salam as a Na'uzubillah Shaitan. And she said, I think that now your Shaitan has deserted you. Na'uzubillah. So this became a further difficulty now that he was being taunted in this way. On the one hand, his illness. Then, Jibreel Salatu Salam hasn't come for several days. So that was a grief for him. Then he's being taunted in this way. And all these things now accumulated at one time. And upon that then, Jibreel Salatu Salam finally came down with the wahi. And he came down with Surah Al-Duha. And Allah Ta'ala revealed these ayat. That وَالدُّحَا وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى These are the first three ayat of the surah. Allah Ta'ala starts off by taking a qasam on two aspects. وَالدُّحَا By the Qasam of the glorious mid-morning light. At the time of, as we call it, duha, chashed, when the sun has risen somewhat and the brightness has spread all over. So now that is the time of duha. Allah Ta'ala is taking a qasam on that time. And then, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا saja, And by the night, when it covers everything. So here there is a qasam that Allah Ta'ala is taking. Allah Ta'ala is not in need of taking any qasam to convince somebody something. Allah Ta'ala takes a qasam on something to highlight some aspect therein, to emphasize something. What is being emphasized in taking these two qasams? The qasam that is being taken here is on the mid-morning light and thereafter on the darkness of the night. And then Allah Ta'ala follows this up. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى Allah Ta'ala says to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that your Lord has neither forsaken you nor has He become displeased with you. Now there is some link between these things. And what is the link? The link that Allah Ta'ala is taking this qasam is that after every night, after the darkness of the night spreads, then the light does come thereafter and it dispels the darkness. So likewise, there are difficulties that come in dunya. There is sometimes grief. But a person should not become despondent. The darkness of grief will be dispelled by the light of happiness. Likewise, sometimes a person is some financial constraints. So the darkness of the financial difficulties should not become overwhelming. It will inshallah soon be relieved with the light of ease and prosperity. Likewise, there are some other challenges, there are some other difficulties, domestic issues, whatever difficulties come, but Allah Ta'ala is giving us this direction that look, if there is night, then that night is followed by day also. If there is darkness, that darkness is followed by light. But yes, this is dunya. It will require some sabr. It will require some perseverance, some tolerance. And when a person will persevere, when a person will tolerate, when a person will undertake the sabr, 
then Allah Ta'ala is saying that this will be dispelled. So, Allah Ta'ala is saying to Nabi Wasallam that just as this night, the darkness of this night was dispelled by the light of the day, all this grief that has come upon you because of the taunts of the disbelievers and whatever other difficulties you have suffered in this regard, this will be dispelled by the nur of this wahi that we are going to reveal upon you. In this is another lesson that we want to dispel the difficulty of the grief in our hearts, then even the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif also is a very effective thing in this regard. But unfortunately what happens is, when we are afflicted by some kind of situation, then we sit down and start just, re- just repeatedly thinking over the same thing in our minds and hearts. We keep rewinding that same situation, that what happened and how it happened, but why it happened and why was this not done and had that been done then this would not have happened whereas what has happened what has come to pass has come to pass and a certain degree of grief is natural certain amount of pain that's human nature but this natural grief and natural pain this has its limited lifetime so to say it has a limited time that it remains and it gradually starts then fading away. And this is the system Allah has created. Otherwise, if a person, time did not heal these wounds, then nobody would have been able to live in dunya. Because everybody has experienced something of grief somewhere in their life. And that would perpetually then weigh a person down. A person would not be able to spend a single day of his life correctly then. Allah's system that that natural grief which is part of human nature that starts fading as soon as that incident has passed and a person has now done whatever was necessary somebody has passed away there was some calamity, there was some hardship it takes three days, a little while after a few days now a person starts picking up the pieces and moving forward and that starts fading but now that is as far as the natural grief natural pain is concerned but then there is the second type which is acquired pain. We can call it acquired pain. Which is self-inflicted pain. Self-inflicted grief. And that is where a person deliberately just keeps rewinding the same thing in the mind. Just keeps thinking of the same thing over and over again. And keeps living in the past. When a person keeps living in the past, then that grief that was experienced in the past will remain fresh forever. Now that is something that we inflict upon ourselves. So in any case, what is the thing to do at that time? The thing is now to start getting occupied positively. One is to remain idle and keep remaining engaged in those thoughts that will serve no purpose besides keeping a person in that grief. What is required is to become positively occupied. Positively occupied, there is nothing better than amal. And in such situations, there is among the greatest things at that time is tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. And in particular, the recitation of Surah Yusuf has been mentioned as, as part of experience that this has a very, very deep effect in relieving grief. After all, it has the discussion of the grief of a very great nature of Sayyidina Yaqub al-Nabina So the recitation of this Surah has a very, very deep effect in the relieving of grief. So in any case, what the lesson here was, that Allah Ta'ala is saying to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that we will reveal this wahi upon you, which will dispel this darkness of grief, and this pain of the taunts of the mushrikeen, and all these various things that, are, that go along with it. The same lesson is for us, that to the extent we will occupy ourselves in a'mal, and especially tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, then this gives a tremendous himmat, tremendous courage. Then the other thing is, that Allah Ta'ala says to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this ayat, That your Rabb has not forsaken you, and nor has he become displeased with you. In other words, that these difficulties are not necessarily a sign that Allah Ta'ala is not pleased with somebody. Obviously, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Ta'ala was forever pleased with him. Likewise, others, we are all weak human beings, 
But difficulties doesn't mean that Na'uzubillah, Allah Ta'ala hates a person, that's why Allah Ta'ala is bringing some difficulty upon him. Allah Ta'ala has forsaken him. These are also the wasawis and the whispers of shaitan, by means of which shaitan wishes to make a person despondent. And this is the constant battle. Allah Ta'ala is giving us hope, which we should be latching onto, but shaitan is trying to dis- derail us and shaitan is trying to drag a person away from the hope that Allah Ta'ala is giving him and try to drag him in, into despondency. When a person becomes despondent, as we discussed the example right at the beginning, even a person's health fails. But worse than that, worse than that is when a person becomes despondent and loses hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, then sometimes people even forsake their deen. People forsake their iman. Na'uzubillah, they start uttering words of kufr. They start making statements against Allah Ta'ala na'uzubillah. And this is what shaitan is trying to do. And this is what is shaitan's effort by making a person despondent. And Allah Ta'ala is giving us every hope. La tay'asunir rawhillah. Don't ever become despondent of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. So here also in this ayat Allah Ta'ala is saying to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى That your Rabb has not forsaken you. And he has not become displeased with you. So when Allah Ta'ala puts some kind of difficulty on somebody, he should not become despondent and think that Na'uzubillah, Allah Ta'ala has forsaken me. Na'uzubillah, Allah Ta'ala hates me. No, 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 this is not the case. If this was the case that any difficulty meant something negative all the time, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would never have been faced with any difficulty because he was the most beloved of Allah Ta'ala. In fact, to the extent that somebody is closest to Allah Ta'ala, to that extent they are tested accordingly. In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu was asked, Hazrat Sadiq Nabi Waqqas he asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Who are the people who are afflicted most with challenges, with difficulties? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, An-Nabiyoon, the Anbiya of Allah Ta'ala. The Nabis of Allah Ta'ala, they are tested the most. Summal Amsal, Fal Amsal. Then those who are closest to them, and thereafter those who are closest in rank, accordingly they are tested. So this is not something to go into a negative mindset about. Rather we should be thinking in a positive way, that while on the one hand we keep asking for afiyat, ask Allah Ta'ala to relieve us of whatever difficulties we may be experiencing, but to always be positive in our mind and heart, that this too is a means of khair for me. In this way, Allah Ta'ala is clearing me and forgiving my sins. Allah Ta'ala is removing the difficulties of burden of the akhirat from me by putting this little bit of difficulty on me now in dunya. But nevertheless, I am a weak servant of Allah Ta'ala. I will beg Allah Ta'ala's help and beg His afiyat that Allah Ta'ala give me ease and safety from all the difficulties and calamities. But what we are being taught in this ayat is to always have a positive mindset and to know that this is something that Allah Ta'ala will make a means of great reward. In fact, in one hadith sharif, once Hazrat Aisha radiallahu says, or rather it was one of the other sahaba, that he says that Abdullah bin Umar that he says, I came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and he had a very severe fever. So I asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa or rather said to him, he says, that you have a very severe fever. So Nabi Islam said, yes, I have such a fever which two people together don't have that amount of fever. In other words, what fever two people will experience, I alone am experiencing. Meaning such severe fever. So this was Abdullah bin Mas'ud He says that I asked Nabi Islam that you have this double challenge, that you are suffering such a fever which two people generally would together suffer such a fever. Is it because you also get double the reward? Nabi Islam said, yes, that is the case. And thereafter he gave the general principle in this regard. Nabi Islam said that there is nothing that gives any difficulty to a mu'min. A thorn that gives him some difficulty. Anything else that gives him some difficulty. Allah Ta'ala by means of that difficulty forgives his sins. And Allah Ta'ala causes his sins to fall like a tree causes its leaves to fall. In autumn, how the leaves just fall off the tree. In a slight wind, sometimes the whole tree becomes bare. Likewise, Allah Ta'ala makes this a means of the person's sins getting forgiven. So, this is something that 
this is the mindset to have. This is what we need to focus on. That there is definitely khair in it for me. Yes, I'm feeling some pain. I'm feeling some grief. This is part of human nature. There isn't some kind of uh, button to press that we'll just press this button and everything will just fade away in one moment. No, we are insan. We have feelings. We have emotions. We are human. But when a person will maintain this positive mindset and a person will get involved in a'mal, then a person will be able to pass through these tests without getting overwhelmed by them. So the thing is to bear in mind that there is definitely khair in this. In one hadith sharif it is mentioned that sometimes it happens in this way that Allah Ta'ala has decreed a certain position and status for the mu'min. But due to the weakness of his a'mal, he is not able to reach that high position. So Allah Ta'ala then brings about some test, some challenge for him. And then Allah Ta'ala gives him the ability to make sabr on that challenge. And by means of that sabr, Allah Ta'ala raises him to that rank and position that Allah Ta'ala had, say, had made for him and, and decreed for him. Now this is such a great khair, but a person will only be able to understand this and appreciate it in the akhirat, in the hereafter. So nevertheless, in the same light, in the surah, Allah Ta'ala says, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى وَلَا الْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى Thereafter Allah Ta'ala says, and surely the hereafter is better for you than the present life. This ayat of the Quran Sharif has two ways in which it can be understood, two meanings that come out of this. One is the translation as it was made, that the akhirat is better for you than the dunya, than the present life, that is a reality, that the akhirat for Nabi Wasallam is only jannat and the highest stage of jannat, and likewise for every mu'min is jannat. Allah forbid if some mu'min had to go past Jahannam, which unfortunately many would, as mentioned in some ahadith, then too, because of the person's iman, he'll eventually go to Jannat. So eventually, the akhirat is definitely better for every mu'min compared to this dunya. What is this dunya compared to the akhirat? This dunya can offer a person really nothing compared to the akhirat. A person who is who will be in Jannat, then from Jannat, if he had to look down into dunya, if he had to see, okay, where is this dunya, it will look like a dustbin, like a dump yard, as you get some places where all the dirt of the whole city is dumped. So this will look like that compared to Jannat. And that too is a very, very mild example. Jannat is beyond our imagination. So what is this little short time in dunya compared to the eternal bounties of Akhirat. So in any case, this life of dunya will pass, but when a person has the right mindset, the person looks at things positively. Even in the difficulty, the person focuses positively. Even in the challenge, the person has a positive mindset. Then, that difficulty becomes half as painful. And if a person has a negative mindset, then a small difficulty will be felt ten times worse. With a positive mindset, a very big thing, a very difficult thing also, will be tolerable. It will be something that a person will be able to take in one stride. And with a negative mindset, then the smallest things also will become very, very big. When a person now has got the right focus, for example, somebody is going for Umrah, they are going for Hajj, now their heart is already yearning for Baytullah. Subhanallah, what a great thing that a person is blessed to go to Baytullah. Now there are many challenges that come in the way. Before a person can go, there are so many things, so many preparations to make. And then sometimes there are some things that don't go to, according to plan so easily. Sometimes some documents don't come in time. Then the person has to go for some kind of injections. And some people get sick after that injection. And then the airport, and sometimes the flight is delayed. And then there are some problems that sometimes the customs and sometimes immigration and what not happens. And then it's a long lengthy flight and the person is getting tired in that flight. And then the person has to sit and wait in the immigration queues. And what not goes on. But in all this, because a person knows that they are going to Baytullah. 
As a result, all this gets taken in their stride. They are going to Baytullah, so that now makes it very easy to overcome all this. And nobody stops midway and say, look, this is too much, I'm not going now. Person says, come what may, I still want to go. They will try what they can to overcome whatever challenges and obstacles come in the way, and they want to make it. Why? Because they know where they are going. But supposing a person was just told, let's go. Where? Don't know where you're going. Now all one difficulty after the other, but the person doesn't know whether he's going somewhere or not. And if he's going somewhere, where is he going? Whether he's going around the corner for anything, just going for a just joyride somewhere, that will become too difficult for him. He'll probably go along with the whole process for a little while, and then as the challenges come, he'll say, look, enough is enough, I'm not going. Doesn't matter wherever you want to go, you carry on yourself, I'm not coming. But the person who knows they're going to Baytullah, they're going to the Kaaba Sharif, they're going to the Rosa Mubarak, then all these things become very tolerable for them, in fact, easy for them. When a person knows we are heading towards the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, we are heading to the Jannat of Allah Ta'ala, then when the person has that in mind, and the person is focusing in that way, then all these situations of dunya, while they are challenges, and while they do bring about pain, they do bring about some difficulty, they do bring about some hardship, but the person who is focused on the akhirat, then the issues of dunya become easy. Yes, we should keep begging Allah Ta'ala for afiyat, beg Allah Ta'ala for safety from all kinds of trials and tribulations, but keep the destination in mind. And keep the mind positive in all conditions. When a person keeps this positive mindset, then inshallah the difficulties become easy to bear. The second meaning of this, وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى The Mufassirin have explained, the second meaning is, that وَلَلْآخِرَةُ Akhira means, that the condition that will now follow, the second condition that will come now later, will be better than the condition that has now passed, or which is currently being experienced. A person is experiencing some difficulty, some pain, some grief, some illness. So now the person should stay positive, that inshallah, the next condition that will now come along will inshallah be a better situation. And when a person keeps his mind focused in this manner, then inshallah we'll find that Allah Ta'ala will make it accordingly to أَنَا عِنْدَ ظَنِّ bi As in one hadith Qudsi, Allah Ta'ala says that I treat my servant according to his expectations of me. So we should always have very positive expectations of our most kind and merciful Rabb. Allah Ta'ala is most merciful. Yes, just as a, sometimes there are some challenges that come, these challenges are for our betterment. A doctor sometimes performs surgery upon the patient, he takes a knife, a scalpel, and he slits the patient's body open, he cuts sometimes deep into certain organs of the body, he removes some, some things, he's doing so many things, and all this is going to cause a lot of pain also. But every person regards this doctor as very kind. And after that whole operation is over, the person has come around, the person has now recovered. They are full of gratitude for the doctor. In fact, before the operation, they are already thanking him for taking it on. Why? Because they know that this is a means of benefit. So sometimes there are some operations that take place in dunya. Some operations remove various cancers from us. The cancer of pride, the cancer of discontentment, the cancer of so many things. Any case, we should ask Allah Ta'ala for afiyat, ask Allah Ta'ala for ease, but we should be having this hope that inshallah what will follow will be better than the current condition. Then Allah Ta'ala says to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Very soon your Lord will give you so much that you will be pleased. Now, here in this ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala does not specify what will be given. Allah Ta'ala says, you will be given by your Rabb what will please you. Now, what will please you? So, what was something that was a means of being pleasing to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? What was pleasing for him was that this deen of Allah Ta'ala spreads. What was pleasing for him was that the wealth of Iman gets into the heart of every person. What was pleasing to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was that the deen of Allah Ta'ala prevails. Otherwise, the other things were not really something that really mattered to him. 
Yes, what was pleasing for him was the ease and afiyat for the believers. All these things were very pleasing for him. So this is what pleased Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. On one occasion, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was crying and he was reading, Ya Rabbi Ummati, Ya Rabbi Ummati, after having remembered the various Anbiya Ali Musallatu Wasallam and how they made dua for their ummats. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam started saying, Ya Rabbi Ummati, Oh my Rabb, what will happen to my Ummah? What will happen to my Ummah? And he was crying. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Ta'ala sends him and says to him, go and ask my Nabi that what is becoming the source of grief for him? Why is he crying? And when he comes, Nabi Sallallahu explains to him, in other words, that it is the worry about his Ummah. So Jibreel Sallallahu goes back and he informs Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala is most aware, but Nabi Sallallahu gives his answer, Jibreel Sallallahu takes it back to Allah Ta'ala, and Allah Ta'ala then replies and says, that go and inform my Nabi, Inna sanurduika fi ummatik wala nasuuk, that we will please you with regards to your ummah and we will not disappoint you. In other words, every mu'min will eventually go to Jannat. So in any case, this was what was the source of grief for Nabi Wasallam to see the ummah in difficulty in the akhirat and in the line of that kind of life which will take them towards this difficulty of akhirat. And what pleased him was that the ummah goes to Jannat. The ummah remains in the obedience of Allah wa ta'ala. So this is what is the real thing to focus on and this is what we have to be also trying to do to bring this deen completely in our lives, in the lives of others. This will become a source of us becoming pleased. Allah Ta'ala will grant us that pleasure in our hearts. When we will please Allah Ta'ala, we will do that which will please Allah Ta'ala and please Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then Allah Ta'ala will bring about the situation where we will be content. We will be happy and pleased. Nevertheless, to continue then, after having mentioned this, that we will please you, Allah Ta'ala then says to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that, Alam, uh, Alam yajidka yatiman fa'awa Allah Ta'ala enumerates three favors upon Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The first favor Allah Ta'ala enumerates is, that did he not find you as an orphan and gave you shelter? This is something we are well aware of. That Nabi Wasallam was born an orphan. His father passed away some, some days or short while before he was born. So he was born an orphan. And he was barely two years old when his mother passed away. Then he lived with his grandfather. And he was barely six years old when his grandfather passed away. Or he was, he was six years old when his, gra- his mother passed away. And when he was barely 8 years old, his grandfather passed away. And then he lived with his uncle. So Allah Ta'ala is bringing this favor upon Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, enumerating this, that you were an orphan. But Allah Ta'ala made the arrangements for your care, for your protection throughout all the eras. By means of your mother first, then the means of your grandfather, then the means of your uncle. And eventually when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi uncle Abu Talib passed away, then the Quraysh began to really intensify their persecution and their harm to Nabi Wasallam. But Allah Ta'ala then brought about the arrangements where the Ansar of Medina Munawwara, they came and took Nabi Wasallam away to Medina Munawwara. And Medina Munawwara then became the center of deen and Islam spread far and wide from there. And eventually the Muslims gained victory from there. So at every occasion Allah Ta'ala provided the means. Allah Ta'ala made the arrangements from the unseen. The same lesson here, we keep to what Allah Ta'ala wants from us, we keep ourselves on the line of deen, we do not transgress the laws of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will please us, in all the difficulties and challenges, Allah Ta'ala keep us with afiyat, Allah Ta'ala save us from all difficulties and challenges, but if a person is faced with some difficulty, and the person maintains that sabr and patience, in that difficulty, Allah Ta'ala will provide the arrangements. Sometimes this kind of statement comes that now I don't think that this, I will ever survive this. I don't think I can ever manage this. Yes, if we are left to ourselves, we can't manage one thing. We cannot manage living one minute of any day, let alone live the whole day, let alone live the week, let alone live the month. With all the things that we see around us, we can't live one second of one day if it is left to us. But when Allah Ta'ala takes somebody in His care, then without any of the apparent means, Allah Ta'ala will make it possible for that person to pass through whatever the situation is. 
when the means are there, Allah Ta'ala will use those means to do whatever is necessary. And when the means are not there, when Allah Ta'ala has taken the means away, Allah Ta'ala will create other means. Or Allah Ta'ala will create a situation where without the means, the work will get done. Where without the means, whatever was required would have taken place. The care and whatever was necessary would have taken place. But what is required is sabr. What is required is focusing towards Allah Ta'ala. What is required is not to ever lose hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Never to think that this is beyond my ability to take this on. No, we can never take anything on. Yes, Allah Ta'ala will always make things possible for us. And Allah Ta'ala will always take care of all the situations for us, provided that we turn towards Him. So here Allah Ta'ala is saying, Alam yajidka yatiman fa'awa. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Wawajadaka ballan fahada. And we found you in a condition that you were unaware. And then we guided you. Unaware that prior to the wahi being revealed to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then he was unaware of the things that were still to be revealed and whatever Allah Ta'ala had then revealed about the akhirat, etc. So, this is what Allah Ta'ala is saying, that you did not have all this knowledge of the wahi, etc. And Allah Ta'ala then blessed you with all this. And then, وَوَجَدَكَ aailan fa'agna, And Allah Ta'ala found you in a condition of need. And He made you independent. This also has much detail to it. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was very, very much down and out, as we may say, in severe need. But then Allah Ta'ala opened the way in the form of many things. Eventually, Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi when he got married to her, she was a very wealthy woman. She made over her entire wealth in the khidmat of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and for the service of deen and for the path of Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala. And all this was spent in the upliftment of deen which became a means of help for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this is what Allah Ta'ala is referring to. Now what is the lesson in this is that Allah Ta'ala is enumerating three favors. Nabi Islam was grieved. The kuffar were taunting him. He was somewhat grieved over his illness. Jibreel had not come for many days. This too was a source of grief. Allah Ta'ala is now consoling Nabi Islam. And part of the consolement, apart from the things that we already mentioned, Part of the consolement is the enumerating of these favors. What is the lesson for us in this? That when a person is feeling down, this happens from time to time. We all sometimes experience these kind of things. The thing to do at that time is to turn the attention of the heart and mind towards the unlimited favors of Allah Ta'ala. The mashayikh, they prescribe muraqabah shukr. This is something which is a very effective thing that the person meditates on the bounties of Allah Ta'ala and makes shukar upon it. Not just in a very, very casual way, in a very uh, specific way. For example, on one, in one sitting, a person will sit down and think about all the favors of Allah Ta'ala in terms of deen, which is the greatest of all favors. Ya Allah, you blessed me with the greatest wealth of iman. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah ala ni'matil iman. Alhamdulillahi ala ni'matil Islam. Alhamdulillahi ala ni'matil Quran. Subhanallah, can we ever equate one ayat of the Quran Sharif? The whole universe can't be anything compared to one ayat of the Quran Sharif. Allah, you bless me with the Quran Sharif. You bless me with Iman. You bless me with Islam. You bless me with the um, being in the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And then so many unlimited favors in this regard. A person takes, mentions one thing at a time. And from the depth of the heart, on each thing, say, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Then the next sitting, maybe the later that day, the next day, person starts thinking, Ya Allah, you gave me a family. Maybe somebody's parents are still living, Alhamdulillah. Ya Allah, you gave me my parents still. Ya Allah, you gave me a family, you gave me a spouse, you gave me children, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Ya Allah, you've given me other family members that still come support me. You've given me friends. You've given me people who are in the neighborhood, who have that kind of uh, relationship, they come and attend to whatever the situation is sometimes. There are people I can phone and speak to and take some consolement from. Each thing, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Then the next day, Ya Allah, you've given me so many things. My eyes I can see. There are people who are blind. You've given me eyes, Alhamdulillah. Ya Allah, I can hear, Alhamdulillah. 
In this way, one one ni'mad, this muraqaba is shukr, this is a very very great antidote for all this depression, etc. Provided it is done diligently, a person who turns to Allah Ta'ala in the shukr, then this will become a means of dispelling these kind of feelings of anxiety, of depression, of feeling low and down. The other thing is, not to look around at what others have. Unfortunately, this is what we spoke about already, that this is what unfortunately we do, and we bring about this pain on ourselves. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Unduru ila man asfala minkum. In terms of dunya, always look at those who have lesser than you. Don't look at the one who is flying to holidays all the time. Look at the person who doesn't even have a decent pair of shoes to walk with. He's walking bare feet. Let alone the person who doesn't have a car and he walks long distances. What about the person who doesn't even have shoes to wear? What about the person who doesn't even have a decent shelter to live in? Always look at the one who has lesser than you. Don't look at those who have more than you. This, otherwise, you might start trivializing the ni'mats of Allah Ta'ala. When a person starts looking around, then this starts breeding jealousy. This starts breeding malice. It starts breeding ingratitude, which is a very great sin actually, that a person becomes ungrateful to Allah Ta'ala, despite Allah Ta'ala's countless bounties and ni'mads. When somebody, you see somebody with some ni'mad, make dua for them. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala give them barakat. But then immediately look at those who don't have what you have. The innumerable things that you have which others don't have. And there are millions, maybe billions and billions of people who have much lesser than us. Think about them. Think about those who are in the open. They don't have even a shelter over their heads. They are in war-torn areas. They don't know where their families are. They don't know whether they will have something to eat by the evening. They don't know where their next meal will come from. And what we have, let us think about that. So this is something to always bear in mind. That always make shukr to Allah Ta'ala for all His innumerable bounties and ni'mads. And don't focus on those who have more. Focus on those who have less. In terms of this aspect of shukr. And always having a positive mindset. One very very ajeeb incident. Hazrat Urwa bin Zubair rahmatullahi. He was a brother of Abdullah bin Zubair radiallahu anhuma. And among the leading tabi'een, among the very great ulama of Madinah Munawwara, he was once on a journey and en route something happened, some saw something developed on his leg and eventually his leg had to be amputated. But before they amputated it, the doctor said that, look, I'm going to have to give you this something, whatever they used in that time to so to say, like a kind of anesthetic, but something that he had to be drinking something, perhaps it was not the right thing to drink generally, so he refused, he said I will not be able to drink something, I cannot imagine somebody drinking something of this nature, that makes the person negligent of Allah Ta'ala, I cannot stand this, I cannot imagine this happening, therefore I will not drink it, you want to amputate my leg, he told the doctor, you want to amputate my leg, you go ahead, I will not take anything as a kind of anesthetic, so in any case, they finally started amputating his leg without him being put off, without him being put into any kind of sleep. And those who were present, they say that we never heard a word of complaint from him. Once in a while, we would hear a hiss of pain. Like a person in pain sometimes just makes some sound, but he never complained one word. And finally, his leg was amputated. Now imagine a person's leg is amputated. But what, his, what was on his tongue thereafter? He was saying, Ya Allah, لَإِنْ أَخَزْتَ لَقَدْ أَبْقَيْتَ Now if you've taken something, I had four limbs, you've taken one but you left three. So subhanallah, I still have three limbs. I can still get my work done. Allah, if you've taken something, you've left more than what you've taken. And if you do take something from someone, you leave him with so much that he can still continue and do what he wants to do. And then there's a very ajeeb thing mentioned regarding this incident, in the same way this incident has been mentioned, that وَمَا تَرَكَ حِزْبَهُ مِنَ الْقِرَاءَةِ تِلْكَ اللَّيْلَ Now he's just undergone this amputation, can we imagine, and that too without anesthetic. But the, the narrator says, that whatever was his, as we say, wazifa, whatever was his ma'mul of tilawat that night, he did not miss it. He completed his ma'mul of that night also. We get a little bit of a flu, some little bit of a cold, and that mamul is completely then lost. We don't have any strength and courage to do any bit of it. Yes, our mashayikh have been so compassionate upon us, 
They say to us that, look, if you're tired, very, very tired, extremely tired, exhausted, or you are ill, and a person can't do everything, then do half, do quarter. They come to the point, they say, look, at least do one-tenth also, but don't miss it out completely. Just do one-tenth also. You can't sit and do it, lie down and do it. Just do one-tenth also, but don't miss it completely. Subhanallah, what shafqat, what compassion, but the emphasis on not missing it out. A person misses out his ma'mul, misses out what he's supposed to do completely, misses it out one day, that opens the door for missing it out the second day. And then sometimes this just gets left out in such a way that to come back to it becomes extremely difficult. But the lesson that we were discussing is that subhanallah, how positive was Urwa bin Zubair rahmatullahi His leg has been amputated, but he is so positive still that, Ya Allah, if you've taken one, you've left three behind. Subhanallah, I've still got three other limbs. I've got two legs, one other leg, I've got two hands. Now this is that lesson for us to always be positive. So this is the thing that we learn from these three ayat to always be making shukr to Allah Ta'ala for his ni'mads. And when a person will be always deep in shukr, then the challenges, the difficulties all will fade away. Thereafter, Allah Ta'ala in the next three ayat says, فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ فَلَا تَنْهَرْ وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ Now that Allah Ta'ala has enumerated the three faiths, Allah Ta'ala gives three actions to do, or rather three instructions. What are the three instructions? One is, فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ Don't ever oppress the orphan. As far as the orphan is concerned, as for the orphan, do not oppress him. Do not cause any difficulty and taklif to him. Nabi Islam himself was an orphan. So Allah Ta'ala is now saying that we have cared for you while you were an orphan. Now you also do the same. Allah's Nabi Islam is addressed, but the lesson is for his ummah. Many, many ayat of the Quran Sharif, Nabi Islam is addressed. He was already at the height of those qualities. Allah Ta'ala by means of him is giving the lesson to the ummah. So this is the lesson that the orphan always be kind to the orphan. tanhar, And don't scold the beggar. Don't rebuke him. As for the beggar, do not rebuke him. If a person has something to give, give the person. As far as possible, give something. And if a person doesn't have anything to give, or if the circumstances and the situation are such that it is not appropriate now to be doing something of that nature, there, it might be a risk, it might be a security issue, whatever the case is, but then to don't rebuke the person. In a nice way, kind way, let the person carry on. Don't ever say something that is negative. Don't say something that might be... Sometimes a person might be doing whatever he is doing. One person came to Hazrat Mufti Mahmud Sahib Rahmatullah and he made up some... Well, he said something, his, whatever, his mother passed away and so on and he needed some money. Hazrat gave him some money. Any case, as he left, somebody else walked in. said, Hazrat, what this person came and did? I'm sure he came and asked you for some money. So he said, well, yes. So he said, this person, this is his habit. He goes and makes up stories everywhere and he just takes out anything. So I said, look, I also knew that. I also knew that, but I gave that money to him as part of shukr to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala saved me from that kind of situation. I could have been in his position. So in any case, this was the way the Ahlullah looked at it. But then together with that, what is important is that we don't ever adopt such a manner that becomes a means of disregarding somebody, Allah knows best whose condition is what. Sometimes it might be that a person is really just making up a story and Allah knows best sometimes we could misjudge the situation. Somebody could be genuinely in a desperate situation and we might treat him in a bad way and Allah forbid that can really turn the tables. One incident is mentioned in several kitabs about one person who was seated with his wife just about to have a roasted chicken and whatever meal they had and suddenly there was a knock on the door. There was some beggar. So now because this beggar came at such a time when this person was about to start off this meal with his wife, etc. He flew in a rage and he chased that person off. In any case, that person went away down heart, broken hearted. Time passed. Then the tape, suddenly this person started going through a hard time. He lost all his possessions. He became extremely poor to the point where he could not support his wife anymore. And he finally told her, look, I cannot take care of you anymore. And he divorced her. Time passed, she remarried. One day she was seated at the Dasarkhan again with her second husband. And they were about to start eating something. Again it was a roasted chicken and there was a knock on the door. 
So, the person called out, it was a beggar. So the husband said, look, this food that is here, take it and give it to the beggar. So this woman woke up and she went to the door to give that food to the beggar. She gave the food, but when she came back, she was in a different state. She was suddenly very emotional. The husband asked her what happened. So when finally she calmed down, she said, what happened actually was, that the person at the door was my first husband. There was a time when once we were seated about to eat and there was a beggar at the door and he got very upset and he went and chased the person off. And today now he's come as a beggar to my door. When he explained this whole incident, that second husband said, look, let me tell you the other part of the story, that that day the person who knocked on your door was me. I was chased away. Allah Ta'ala turned the tables in such a way that Allah Ta'ala put him in my place and put me in his place. So Allah Ta'ala is not in need of us, we are in need of him. We should be always forever grateful to Allah Ta'ala for his bounties and also be treating the servants of Allah Ta'ala with dignity, not treating anybody in a, in a incorrect manner. Allah forbid this could turn the tables. And then the third thing Nabi Islam is told, وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثِ And mention the bounties of your Rabb. There are two aspects that are here. One is what is termed as tahdith e ni'mat. Tahdith e ni'mat means Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with some favors. Then a person should express these favors. One is somebody, some insan has done some favor to a person. He should be grateful to that insan also. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam says, the person who is not grateful to human beings, such a person is not grateful to Allah Ta'ala also. We should be expressing our gratitude to them. We should also be making dua for them. Once the Ansar came to, once the Muhajirin came to Nabi Salaam and they said, the Ansar have taken all the rewards. They are doing so much for us. Nabi Salaam said, no. If you praise them and you make dua for them, then inshallah you will also share in the reward. So this was the thing about praising them, meaning expressing your gratitude to them. So as far as this, one is to express the favors, meaning to be grateful. But together with that, Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with some favor. Then to mention these favors as part of tahdith and na'mad, as part of gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. But there are some aspects to bear in mind in this. One is a person should not express these favors to all and sundry. Sometimes this might itself become a means of inviting people's jealousy, inviting some negative sentiments. So one should be careful about that. Then this is tahdith and na'mat, not fakhr. Sometimes in the guise of tahdith and na'mat and enumerating the favors or rather mentioning the favors that Allah Ta'ala has blessed one with, it becomes like a kind of boast that these are my achievements. That is a very, very serious thing. That is a major crime. That is something to be very, very far away from. So therefore, if a person is not of that caliber, and generally we are not of that caliber. So we should be very careful in this regard. We should not just think that now I am making tahdith and na'mad. Otherwise we will be in the name of tahdith and na'mad getting involved in ujb, getting involved in fakhr, getting involved in various other illnesses and ailments of the heart. So this is something too. Also Nabi Sallallahu is being told that he should mention the favors of Allah wa ta'ala. And the other is that the favor of the knowledge of deen, Allah Ta'ala has blessed this knowledge of deen, mention it meaning now pass on this deen, pass on this deen to others. And this is what Nabi Islam did his whole life, that he passed on this deen. This is the summary of this, of the meaning of this surah, surah Wadduha. And together with this is the surah Alam Nashrah, but time has already run out. Inshallah Allah Ta'ala blessed on some other occasion with the tawfiq, then we will discuss Surah Al-Mashra as well. May Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala make this a means of hidayat for us. Allah Ta'ala enable us to always keep our hearts positive, always be focused towards Him, turn to A'mal, to always be full of hope, never ever to lose hope, never ever to become despondent of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's mercy is forever there for us. We need to turn towards Him and inshallah Allah Ta'ala will remove all our difficulties of dunya and akhirat. May Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala grant us the tawfiq of becoming His true and obedient servants. Allah Ta'ala keep us with Iman, raise us with Iman, take us with Iman and raise us with Iman on the day of Qiyamah. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. 
اللهم لا نحسي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا غلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين